So I am never here today. Right. <laughs> I just feel like I these last few weeks, mm-hmm. we talked about, right, that May is the December of spring. <laughs> yes. <maybe. laughs> okay. So I have not had graduations to attend. Mm-hmm. I don't have children in school. Right. And yet I too feel the chaos of May. Um, and part of that is because my parents, uh, as part of our family, like our extended family Christmas gift, treated a large portion of our extended family to a few days at St. George Island. Great. So Jordan and I took off work for a few days and St. George Island is my happy place. Mm -hmm. It is where I am calm, where my cell phone just barely works Mm. and where I can just... no service out there. Yeah, not good service out there. And so I can just truly kind of um, decompress. Mm -hmm. And it's where my family has been going for years, decades. So I love going there. As an adult, when you go on like vacations or trips, Mm -hmm. you also have like real life. Yeah. So meaning this is a place I vacationed as a child. Right. But I'm no longer a child. Yeah. So Jordan and I took three days off and we went to St. George Island and then we came back and I came back and that day we were, and we can talk about this maybe on something else, but like we were finalizing the purchase of this business. Um, We had meetings with the bank accountants. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a sales rep meeting. Like it was just our first day back. I had all of these things and I don't know how I am standing upright at this point. (laughs) Well, and then you went back to the beach. So then I went back. I was like, I can't do this. I got to go back. So I went back to the beach, um, for a day or two days. Um, because it was like, I had to recover and there was some other stuff going on. Um, so it was just, too much. Like, it was like I had taken off, decompressed, uh-huh. and then, but then couldn't really. Like, I was still Immediately getting... Immediately recompressed. Yeah. And I was still getting, like, work emails while I was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I sent you one. Yeah. You sent me one, but that wasn't a big deal. Yeah, I no, just that had, was like, fun. Yeah. I had some fires to put out, is what I'm saying. And so, then to, like, get back into the real world so quick. Like, there was no... What yeah. is it? What do you think? No buffer. Ast- yeah, like, astronauts probably create buffers for themselves when they <laughs> move, when they come back to the States. I, I hope so. <laughs> so. So I felt like I needed an astronaut buffer. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means, <laughs> but I like it. You should use it. Welcome to episode 173 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and we are not professionals. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. But we try. We do try. And I'd like to think I'm a professional-seeming person. Yeah. And I am a professional... You're a professional... Reader and writer. Is professional academic a thing? I'm a professor. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, not technically, but I do the work of one. Halfway? Yeah. Quarters, 75%? Uh, 90%. Um, yeah. But we're not professional podcasters. No. This is not our main game. We've talked about that. Yeah. It's fun. Because it'd be fun to be a professional podcaster. I would love that. But, but I also have a store. Yeah. And I also <laughs> have a PhD. And you'd like to use that. To, you know, fin- finish up. and I'd like to use it. 
I don't think that precludes me from being a professional podcaster, but no. right now I need to finish that first yeah. and then I can make decisions. Yeah, then you can do whatever you want. Um, so one thing to talk about up front is we have this survey live yes. for our listeners. Um, we announced this last week and I think this week we also are doing it. I don't remember which date. I think I said like June 10th or something, June 7th, okay. that it'll be live. Um, so there is a link in the show notes. There is also a link on the From the Front Porch website, which is fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Um, if you are a listener of the show, we would love it if you would just take three to five minutes to yeah. fill that out. It's just some demographic info about you and then some comments like, what is it that you like about what we do here? Yeah. Um, it's very quick and it will be very helpful for us as we are planning the next phase of this journey we're on together and how to make it. Um, what you want it to be. I'm sorry. This journey we're on together. This journey that was beautiful. That we are on together. <laughs> this uh, road that we call life. Was so so well put. Uh, I really just want to know where people are from. I also from. want that. <laughs> um, because we have some like analytics in like our podcast host website. Yeah. So I know that we have a lot of listeners in Georgia, which sure, yep. But it took a while to get to get you guys to get Georgia. Um, we have a lot in Texas and in California. California. Um let's do a live show in California. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Who's let's gonna go pay to, for us to go, go to San Fran. Um, um so we know in broad strokes where a lot of our listeners are from, but like how did not specifically? I, and I was gonna say on the survey, which I have not yet seen. Did you put where did they find us? Yes. Okay. Because that's did you my find big. Out about our that's podcast. my big thing. Because we're a small little right. podcast in a small little town with a small store. Yep. And so I'm just curious. Did you find us from our friends at the Popcast? Did or you find us through what should I read next? What should I read next? Did you just happen to see us see us on Instagram and thought right. we were cute? Yeah. Like, it happens. I'm okay with that. Yeah. So yeah, that's one thing I really want to see yeah. answered. And so if you would just take a couple minutes and fill that out for us, we would love, 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 love that. Okay. So Annie, it's the end of the month. That means it's time for a reading recap. May is the December of... The spring. Of the spring. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so you read a lot of books this month. I do. And I was trying to think how I did that. But it's because, I, as I this said at the top, vacation? I am never here today. <laughs> you, I am never here today. I think in May... Okay. I went not only with my family, but I went to a bachelorette weekend mm -hmm. at the beach. And you can read when you travel. Yes. Yeah. So I read in the car. Um, I also read um, I, at the beach. That's all I do. Mm -hmm. Like, I think other people go to the beach and, I don't know, do things? I guess. Activities? Do people... <laughs> I play in the water and then I read. Mm -hmm. Like, that's all I do. Yeah. Uh, so... Anyway, I think that's why I read so much this month. It was surprising to me because um, it's been a very hectic, kind of nutty month. Yeah. And I was surprised I was able to read a lot. I will say several of these books are shorter, and I think that was key as well. So, And I'm also giving up on the occasional book. Okay, so great. That's fine. That is great. Yeah. And so the first one you read... Yes. Um, the Incendiaries. Cool. Uh, it's by, uh, I think... Gosh, you can correct me. It's R.O. Kwan, I'm pretty sure. I read this on the recommendation of Kate. Mm -hmm. uh, Kate is our resident book whisperer, uh, just because <laughs> by sheer quantity. She just reads yeah, so much. Yeah, she reads so much. And um, so... 
basically sometimes I like give Kate the books I think I want to read. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, tell me if this is worth my time. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm really going to miss her. (laughs) Um, because she has been very good about that because she and I, um, you and I have talked before about how we have a Venn diagram and what overlaps. Kate and I have very similar overlapping tastes. So the incendiaries is a book about, I guess the protagonist is a young man, but there's also a young woman um, who has had maybe some tragedy in her life and she joins a extreme religious group. Okay. And the young man who's at the heart of the novel is a former slash recovering evangelical. Okay. And so he really likes this girl and they connect, but he doesn't understand how she can fall so quickly for this kind of religious... It's really a cult. By the end of the book, you see it's a cult. So it's a book about a cult, uh, but it is so literary and well done that it doesn't feel like it's being... Oh, what's the word? Like, um, it's not taking advantage or like romanticizing Mm -hmm. the culture. It's not opportunistic. Yeah. Um, Instead, it's this really interesting look at faith and religion and what happens when you've lost your faith Uh and you're watching someone else find theirs. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I loved about it. Um, there's some of it kind of takes place. Most of it takes place in America, like on a college campus, but some of it, um, is told through his perspective. Mm -hmm. Some is told through her perspective and some is told very uniquely through the perspective of the cult leader. Um, and so the length of this one is perfect. Mm -hmm. I think too much. And it would have been too many more pages and it would have been too much. Uh Um, the length of this is perfect. And, just really thoughtfully done. Like at the end of it, I thought, Oh, I want to talk to somebody about this. Like, because it just brings up all of these feelings. Mm -hmm. If, if you are a person of faith, which I am, like it brings up all these feelings of why am I attracted to faith? And what if I lost it? And, and how would I feel watching someone else find theirs? Mm -hmm. And so I really, I really enjoyed the nuance of this book and the depth of this book. She, the author, really dove in deeply into some areas while also keeping the book, I think, really succinct. So, Very cool. Yeah, I really liked it. You actually would really like this it book. It sounds like it. Yeah. Um, it actually sounds a lot like um, It Devours, that book I read oh, last yeah. year. Yeah. Um, very, very different in terms of tone, I'm sure, because that's kind of absurdist humor. But, like, that one's about a female scientist and a male religious cult member uh, who kind of fall in love and navigate that. Oh, interesting. So, very similar. Okay, similar But maybe themes. reversed. Yeah. Um, the last, the next one you read is The Last Time I Lied. Okay. This is the new book. I think you're going to have to look up the <clears throat> release date, but I think okay. it's late July, early okay. August. But this is the new book by Riley Sagers. Oh, yeah. So, that's a pen name. Um, Maddie, who used to work here, she and I were both disappointed when that author wound up being a male. Right. Um, but whatever. He yeah. does a really good job. Like, And I I also just didn't want to know. Like, I love pen names. I think that's so cool. Um, was this Final Girls or yeah, the other one? Okay. He wrote Final Girls, um, which I thought was outstanding. Right. The Last Time I Lied is good. I don't think it's as good as Final Girls. Um, it's less gory, less that's gruesome. Good. So if you're looking, if Final Girls was like a tad too much for you, um, then I think The Last Time I Lied would be perfect. It's set on a summer camp, at a summer camp. Okay. Um, Which it, you have a perennial obsession yes, with. Yes, exactly. Uh, so it's great summer reading. And the main character is a young woman who, when she was at summer camp, like for the first time, the girls in her cabin all went missing. <laughs> And so 
there was this miss and they were never found and she doesn't know what happened to them. Well, she has since become an adult. She never went back to summer camp. Obviously that summer camp closed. Um, then weirdly the leader of that summer camp, uh, comes and finds the young woman and is like, we're reopening. We'd love for you to join us. There is some suspension of belief that has to take place when you're reading this book. Mm -hmm. And a few times I was a little frustrated both by the decisions being made by the protagonist, but also by the situations which felt unrealistic to Uh me. And yet, I'm wondering if that's part of Riley Sager's genius, because that's how you feel when you watch a scary movie. Yeah. Like, that's how you feel when you watch a horror film. That's part of the genre. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're watching this girl make decisions you would never make, um, and she's making them, and you're getting mad. And that's how I felt while reading the book. And only at the end of the book did I realize, wait, I think that's what he wanted from me. Like, I think... Right. I think that's what he wants to elicit. Okay. Um, I like that. So, and if that's the case... Then perhaps this is the work of a of a of a real talent. Yeah, like if you like suspense books or thrillers, then his books I think are great. I really liked Final Girls. I think the last time I lied is good mm-hmm. and perhaps better once you finish and realize. Oh, I think all of those decisions were intentional. I think all of that suspension of belief was what I was supposed to do. I was supposed to be frustrated. Um, and again, it takes place on a summer camp. Yeah, so. and I like it when authors are giving me characters and decisions that I am frustrated by yeah. because that's reading. That, and I shouldn't, that's life. I shouldn't just understand everything always and yeah. be like, yes, that's what I would do. Yeah. Um, because then what's the point? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think <clears throat> I'm, while I was reading, I guess I thought like, I'm not sure this is a protagonist that I, that I feel a kinship with. Uh-huh. But again, I don't think that's what reading is for. I'm not, I do love books where I feel a kinship with yeah. the main characters, but it's not every, nice to find. right. But not every book needs to be that. Right. And I think the suspension of belief is to be expected in a book of this genre. Mm-hmm. Like it, no, I wouldn't go back to the summer camp where I, <laughs> where all of my, my friends, friends were murdered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I wouldn't do that. Cause I think that was my big thing. Like, why is she why doing she this? Do that? Um, but <laughs> so anyway, I think that this is a fun, summer book. Uh-huh. Um, talk to me about Minding the Store. All right. Minding the Store, I just read recently. It is a new book. It's not going to be out, I think, until the fall, but it's a graphic memoir. Oh, okay. Um, and it is by the woman, I cannot remember her name, but it's written by the woman who started Fish's Eddie, which is this really popular dishware company out of oh, New York City. Okay. We've carried some of their stuff before. So like our cool different colored mason jars, um, di- like bird glassware we carried for a while. So I like Fishizetti. I like that company. I've bought through wholesale their things before. I've never been to their flagship store, which is in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's written by the woman who co-owns with her partner, with her husband. Um, she co-owns Fishizetti, And then it's drawn. Uh, the artist The artist is her son. Oh, fun. And so I think that is delightful. Yeah. And it is just this great look at owning your own business. And... Did you feel seen and known? (laughs) Yes. And, and growing a business and when you grow it the wrong way Mm -hmm. and when you have to backtrack Mm -hmm. and you make mistakes, you have to prune a little bit. Yeah. And then because she owns it with her husband, the tension that that plays in her marriage and what that looks like. And, um, I just love this book. I also want to put in a plug here for graphic memoirs, which you have long been a fan of graphic novels, graphic memoirs. It's still a genre that I don't always read, but when I do, I'm glad I did. I'm going to tell you the benefit of this, of reading books like this right now, which is I was at the beach. I was with my family. Everyone in my family reads. We are all avid readers, except for my cousin who is 21 years old and she um, has some learning issues. And so reading is not fun for her. Mm -hmm. And I tease her about it in a loving way, meaning, but 
Caroline, like there are things you should love. Like I could recommend good books for you because she loves dogs and she loves animals. So I have all these books in mind for her, but it is not, I am discovering that I don't, I don't think reading is pleasant for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm hoping, right, to kind of work through that with her because I think reading and books are such powerful, wonderful things. And and so I think there are books she would like, but I'm wondering if the act of reading is just difficult for mm-hmm. her. So I kept teasing her all week long because my whole family, we were like working book, through book, books. Book, yeah. Book. And I was like, Caroline, please. I was like, here, read this book. And she was like, oh, it has pictures. I said, yes, yeah. it has pictures. And she sat... And read the whole thing. Just read the whole thing. And really in- seemed to enjoy it. And I, it occurred to me, um, I don't have kids. Um, occasionally here we do come across a young uh, reader who not only is reluctant, but perhaps mm-hmm. does have a learning disability that hinders them from maybe getting enmeshed mm-hmm. and kind of just wrapped up in a good book. Mm-hmm. And I think... That's why Diary of a Wimpy Kid is important. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as adults, we forget that adults also have learning disabilities mm-hmm. that maybe have prevented them from diving into a good book. And so graphic memoirs... It might be a good stepping stone. Yeah. Yeah. And like part of of what I like about it is you get narration sometimes and you get dialogue sometimes, Mm -hmm. but there's no words wasted on describing scenes or what people look like or anything because you can just look at it. So I think this is really interesting intermediary Mm -hmm. kind of reading that's like not less than novel reading. I don't think at all. It's just a different form. And I think that's important and cool. Yeah. It was just fun to watch through somebody else's eyes because it's a genre I enjoy, but I don't always pick up. And to get to see somebody who maybe doesn't enjoy literary fiction or would not find Mm -hmm. themselves enraptured by uh, by literary fiction, really feel very satisfied. And then she felt extremely proud of herself that she read a book. I read a book. That's great. Um, so minding the story, it comes out this fall. The version I was reading was black and white, uh-huh. so it's hard to see the depth of right. the pictures. And the the final version will have color. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I thought it was delightful, particularly if you are an entrepreneur or you have entrepreneurial tendencies in your family, because it also shows just the effects mm-hmm. of this business on a family. Mm-hmm. So it's very really good. interesting. Yeah. Talk to me about Hey Ladies. You guys. You guys. This book is hilarious. This book is so funny. What is it? Okay, so it is written by, I think it is written by two women who I'm, I guess, I didn't do a ton of research, but I think they must have had a website where they teased about all the emails women send back and forth that just say, hey ladies, and you're like, whether you're organizing a book club we talked about or a bridal this. shower yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or a baby shower, like you are, if you are a woman and you have woman friends, then you are constantly sending emails back and forth that say, that say hey ladies. That, that, like I am in a wedding in this weekend and I have received so many emails that say, <laughs> Hey, ladies. Um, so this book is just a series of emails written um, back and forth to one another, and they are hilarious. Good. Um, so it's eight women. Uh, it's fictional, all about a year in the life of these women. So they're planning a wedding for one of them. They're organizing book clubs. They're doing all the things that lead up to a wedding. So while you're reading... If you're like me, you will identify all the women in your life who kind mm-hmm. of fit these different people. If you read the book, I'm a Gracie. Uh, what that means is that I rarely, if ever, respond to these <laughs> emails. And when I do, it's something like, hey, ladies, super busy right now, but I'm doing the best I can to keep up. See you soon. Like, 
which is pretty much all I ever tell anyone. Uh-huh. Um, so it was very funny to I did, to find the person with whom I so quickly because at first I was like, gosh, I don't know if I'm any one of these, and then. Every so often there was this email popping up from Gracie that was like, hey guys. And then like she tried to back out from being a bridesmaid, but like it was mm-hmm. it was hilarious. If you are a part of female culture, <laughs> then this, this and maybe is even millennial culture, because I'm yeah. thinking about my group chat with my friends from college, and that's my friend Jordan, who's yeah. also an INTJ. Yeah. And so maybe there's just a personality thing there. Yeah, I do think um millennials, because my mom was like, that book sounds so funny. Would I like it? And I honestly didn't know. Now, maybe my mom would. Mm-hmm. And readers, listeners, if you're listening and you are not a millennial, but you read this book and loved it, tell Please me. Please let us know. Because w- I'll give it to my mom. Um, but I, I bought like I bought one of these myself. And then the moment I finished, I shipped to my best friend who's getting mm-hmm. married this weekend. I was like, you've got to read this. If I could, this is the book I would buy and give out at Valentine's Day. Perfect. This is the book I would send to all my girlfriends. Um, it is so funny. But I do want to know, if you're maybe an older listener or reader, I'm curious if this resonated. Older than us. Like, if you're yeah, older old. older than, like, 35, like, yeah. does this work? Yeah. I'm just curious because you're right. It is a very millennial um, tone because it's not just the emails. There's also texts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just what they're doing, like brunching all the time right. or their jobs are super mm-hmm. millennial and quirky. So it is millennial humor for sure. I think so. It is fantastic. Highly recommend. So f- it's just so fun. It's just so fun. The optimistic decade is the next one on the list here. So the optimistic decade is some kind of cross between the incendiaries, last time I lied, there's no suspense here at mm-hmm. all, but it does take place in a cultish summer camp. Okay. <laughs> um, it's not. It's not quite the girls. Do you remember the girls? I do remember when the it girls. Yeah. Came out a few years ago. It was like the it book of the summer. Optimistic. Uh, Klein. Yeah. yeah. Optimistic decade came out a couple months ago. Yeah. Um, recently. Great cover. Striking cover. Um, it takes place in the. Oh, I guess late 80s, 90s, um, because it is about a young woman whose parents were very liberal, left-leaning kind of hippies of the 70s, mm-hmm. and they started like a liberal socialist newspaper, and she has always dreamed of working at this newspaper, and instead, little does she know that the newspaper is going under. Mm-hmm. And so her parents send her to spend time with her cousin who runs a, like, in-the-middle-of-nowhere summer camp but like extremely rustic and it's camp is like a nice word for it but it's it basically this young man who wanted to start this ideological kind of utopia uh-huh. and so they always do yeah <laughs> so he kind of starts this summer camp the cousin goes and then you kind of watch what happens unfold at this camp so i i will tell you that i wanted this one to be a little bit more climactic than mm-hmm. it was. It's a really quiet book. And I don't think I was expecting that from a book about right. a cultish summer camp. I just was expecting a little bit more oomph. Yeah. Um, that being said, if you are interested in the, the kind of butting of heads of maybe two different generations of people. So a generation of people who protested, mm-hmm. who, um, believed in things and then maybe took extreme measures to defend those things. Uh, but then a generation that maybe came of age in the Reagan era. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is interesting and an interesting thing to watch, uh, as you read this book. Um, 
also the the title of the book comes from this great line. Uh, I think I put it on my Instagram, but it's basically this young woman's father telling her, "I think you have one optimistic decade mm. where you can where you can." Ev- um, evoke change and then that decade ends and it's kind of the and you're wondering to yourself is that true like mm-hmm. as a reader you're kind of battling with wait is that true I hope that's not true but, right. but is it true um, <laughs> and so it, I really thought that was well done this book is long <laughs> a little too long and I I'm happy like I always say a little life was a massive novel that you never thought was massive optimistic decade I felt every page mm. um but I think it did get rave reviews. I think the themes are interesting. It maybe didn't take the direction I anticipated. And so I think I had to kind of temper my own expectations there. I think I was looking for a cultish summer camp. What's going to happen to this young woman? Mm-hmm. Is it suspenseful? This is not at all suspenseful. It's a very quiet look at two different generations and how they handle... Um, their politics and the things they want to change in the world. Interesting. Yeah. I thought, and there's also, I will say there's also this slight theme of what do we do with land Mm. and what do we preserve Mm -hmm. and who do we sell our land to Mm -hmm. and what does that look like? So, because it takes place out West and that is another thing. I liked this book because it took place in a place place, I am not familiar Mm -hmm. with and it took me there. Uh, The author did an excellent job of taking me there. So, um, I like. I think there are parts of this novel somebody like my brother would really like because he's very interested in land preservation mm-hmm. and what happens to these places out west. Um, so there's also that element going for it too. Cool. The next one on your list is truly devious. Truly devious. Oh, do you know? It just took me a minute to even remember what that book was. Yikes. That's terrifying. But. It's accurate. This is a young adult novel by Maureen Johnson. That's right. I knew this title. Yeah. Um, I wanted to love this book Mm. so badly. Here's the thing. It's the start of a trilogy. Okay. And so there's a lot of world building happening here. And I am not a reader who needs needs a ton of world building. Right. Now, you know, Harry Potter being the exception to that rule. Um, But it felt like I was reading the first in a trilogy. Gotcha. Because it felt like, when are we going to... imagined that Yeah, when are we going to get to the meat of this book? And it really took... I'm not kidding you. I think it took three quarters of the book before, like, plot started to happen. Maybe halfway. Um, And then everything else just felt like backstory. And then it ends in a cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. And the second book isn't out yet. And I will be honest with you, I don't even know that I care Mm. to read book two. Now, I think some young adult readers will love this book. Um, And Kate, I think, really enjoyed this book. Okay. So it is for... It is certainly for someone. That someone just wasn't me. I will admit to you, especially out of a young adult novel, I'm looking for fast. I'm looking for pull me in real quick Mm -hmm. and then spit me out. We're done. Like, (laughs) and that wasn't this. Um, I have to give Maureen Johnson credit because I think she did a ton of work on crafting this world. And so it'll be interesting. And that's not easy. No. And so it'll be interesting to see what she does with the last two books. It's like, and it might turn out to be great. Oh, it could be wonderful. Um, I think it's Mysterious Benedict Society, uh-huh. but dark. Gotcha. Okay, that sounds yeah. So like it's for somebody. For yeah, sure. absolutely. And I liked Mysterious Benedict Society. So it takes place on like a um, boarding school for gifted kids. Okay. And in the past, like years previous, um, the headmaster's uh, daughter and wife went missing. Mm. And they, to my knowledge, were never found. So um, you've got kind of this mis- mystery happening. 
and these students are coming to this boarding school and they each are gifted in a particular way mm-hmm. and the young woman kind of at the heart of the novel her gifting her her area of expertise is um, true crime and so I do think this plays on the current culture of true crime obsession because it's got this YA protagonist who loves true crime and people kind of think she's weird because she loves researching murder and uh-huh. solving things. And then, of course, something happens on the campus that she needs to help mm. solve. So I like a strong female protagonist. I appreciate the world that is being built here. It just wasn't for me. Yeah. You like the concept of this book. Yeah. It's just not really your thing yeah exactly and that's fine and that's fine i'm not every book was written shocking but not every book was written with me in mind (laughs) somehow somehow um speaking of true crime though you read devil in the grove oh my gosh this this book is so good yeah i can't it won the pulitzer years ago i heard gilbert king speak the author of this book speak at the innocence project dinner uh and this is my plug for the innocence project that if you need an organization to support you really should look into the innocence project especially if you have done things in the past like watching making of a murderer Mm -hmm. and if you got enraged by that Mm -hmm. uh then you need to support your innocence project local innocence project um so Gilbert King was the speaker at this year's dinner, and he is the writer of uh, Devil in the Grove. He also wrote a new book that just came out. I think it's called Under the Ruthless Sun. I'm not 100% sure on that. Chris will correct yeah. it in the show notes. Um, so at the event, they had books for sale. I decided to read Devil in the Grove because it's a book that has long been on my list. If mm-hmm. you're from Florida, you are familiar with the concept of this book, um, with the history of this book. Um, it's just one I had not made the time to read. So when I was at the beach last week... I took it and I read the whole thing and it is heart-wrenching and awful as someone who grew up in Florida and who went to school in Alabama and perhaps was a little bit prideful about Florida Mm -hmm. and Florida history in comparison to Alabama history. We all get defensive about Florida. Yeah, and uh, let me assure you, there is nothing to be proud of uh, in Florida history when it comes to race relations. Oh, no. And I honestly thought there was. and that was wrong. Yeah. And so it was really good to read this book. Devil in the Grove, if you are not familiar, is about uh, Thurgood Marshall uh, and the Groveland Boys. It's these four African-American young men who were accused of raping a white woman. Mm-hmm. And if you think that sounds like To Kill a Mockingbird, you're correct. You are correct. Uh, it is a lot like that. Um, and the tragedy that unfolds is as tragic as To Kill a Mockingbird, only worse because, because it's, it's real. real. Um, so... It's a it's a hefty book, meaning it is lengthy, but I never felt like I was drowning. Instead, I was drowning in the heartbreak of it. Like I would read a couple chapters and put it down because it was deeply I mean, I I truly did cry at different parts yeah. of this book. It was just really intense. Um, don't let the intensity of it stop you from reading it. Because it's we need to yeah. read things like this. Uh, and I don't often say that. I don't want to force books on people, but we need to read books like this. And you also need to read books like this because we don't want history to repeat itself. Right. Uh, you talk about erasing history and it's not about tearing down monuments. It's no. about forgetting things like this. Yeah, you don't want to you want to acknowledge what has happened. Um, one thing that they brought up at the Innocence Project dinner and that Gilbert King talked about is this, there's, there's this great new, um, kind of museum monument in Montgomery where I went to school. Um, and it is, it is essentially talking about lynchings and horrific things that happened in American history and in Southern history. And 
making people aware of those things. And so they have these plaques that list what, um, what lynchings occurred in your state or in your city. And so they're encouraging cities to visit this museum mm-hmm. uh, in Montgomery and then going back to your local community and raising money to bring that plaque home so that your city can acknowledge this is what happened here we are sorry about what happened here and we mm-hmm. don't want it to happen again. Um, but bringing that monument back to acknowledge right. these are the awful things that took place in our community. Right. And so I think that's really powerful. So if any of that is of interest to you, um, and even if it's not, <laughs> I think Devil in the Grove is exceptionally written nonfiction. I couldn't believe just how well-crafted it was. Mm-hmm. Um, it's by Gilbert King. It won the Pulitzer and, and should have. It's so good. Talk to me about The Gunners. The Gunners is great. I really liked this book. What is it? It is The Big Chill. Oh. In book form. In book form. I'm not quite sure. Okay. We've had a long discussion about it at book club. I'm not quite sure how you can write a book that's so similar uh-huh. to, to a pretty well-known plot. Right. My only thing is, and so I've read reviews of this book since reading it, and it gets really good reviews except negative when it comes to it's just like the big chill. Mm. Here's my thing. It's a reunion story. All reunion stories are reminiscent of the big chill. Sure. <laughs> they just are. They just like, have to be. They just have to be. So it's about this group of kids um, who were friends in elementary school, mm-hmm. kind of a group of misfits that found each other. And then when they were 16, one of them kind of broke away from the rest of the group. And as a result, the group kind of fell apart. Mm-hmm. Fast forward into their 30s the young woman who originally broke away from the group has committed suicide Mm -hmm. and it's her funeral. And so the group comes back and kind of lands in their hometown and works through their friend's death and kind of analyzes what happened to her when they were teenagers and what maybe what happened to her now. Um, I love reunion stories. And, and so I just liked the premise of this book. I love, I liked the big chill. Like, so, so I, I really enjoyed this. I also was super impressed with how many different issues. I didn't quite realize. We had a girl in book club who hadn't read this one, mm-hmm. and she didn't want to read it. And so, But she was asking for the plot, and so we were kind of telling the plot to her. And as we were describing it, I was like, oh, gosh. Like, a lot happened in this book, and a lot of different issues come up, and and a lot of kind of political, like just a lot of different things happen in the gunners, but you're, you don't realize they're happening Mm -hmm. until you're describing it to somebody else. And then you're like, Oh, Oh. that's a lot in this one book, in this one pretty thin book. So I'm impressed with how she was able to weave so much together. Uh The story is primarily told from this young man's perspective and he's going blind. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think that adds an element of interest to the book. Um, again, I don't, like, yes, it is very similar to elements of the big chill. I don't know if that's a criticism or not, because again, obviously we want literature to be original, right? but also there are lots of books that are reunion based. Yeah. And also and originality is not really a thing. Right. Not anymore. Too much it, has already been it, created. It, it never has been. <laughs> so everything's a riff on something else yeah. and, and that's good and that's cool. And I love that. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I don't have a criticism of this book, but you should go into it knowing you will read it. And if you have seen The Big Chill, you will think, huh, this is similar. (laughs) Um, But I also think just calling it The Big Chill Revisited is unfair uh, because it is well-written. And um, my book club, most of us really enjoyed it. I think we had a couple of readers who thought it was a little too quiet. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for like a bombastic... um, 
book with like a climactic moment where you find out what happens to this young woman and, and you know, you're looking for a lot of closure. Mm -hmm. This book might not be for you. Gotcha. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed it and most of my book club did too. That's great. The last one on your list then is A Double Life. Okay, this is a new thriller coming out late July. It's going to be a great summer book. Um, the author must be British. It takes place in Britain. Um, but it's about a young woman whose father committed an awful crime like in the apartment where she and her little brother and her mom were. Okay. And so she wasn't necessarily a witness, but certainly was traumatized by what happened. Her father claims he did not do it. And has gone missing and has been missing for 20 years. So fast forward, this young woman's in her 30s. She's a doctor living in, uh, I think, London. And every so often, a private, uh, not a private investigator, but like whatever the British version of the FBI is, uh-huh. will kind of contact uh, her and let her know, we think we found him. Can we get your DNA? Or mm-hmm. can you come identify him? Um, and it's never him. Right. And so we kind of watch her basically have to pause her life kind of every time she thinks he's been found uh, because she's also living in fear because right. she was, she and her brother kind of were witnesses more or less. Uh, so you get to kind of see how this horrific crime affected her, how it affected her brother, how it affected her mother. Um, and then you're also kind of on the edge of your seat wondering, are they going to find him? Right. Cause then she kind of takes it upon herself to go find him. Okay. And so I really thought this was well done. Uh, took some, not necessarily twists and turns, but went directions I wasn't expecting, uh, and was just really compelling without feeling, um, it's like the opposite of a Riley Sager book. Gotcha. Not gory, mm-hmm. not super gritty, just a well done suspense. I would recommend this to older customers, uh, maybe who are looking for something that's not as maybe racy as something mm-hmm. like Gone Girl or, you know, right. because that's not for everybody. Right. Uh, this is just a really well done suspense book. Great. If you liked Sunburn, then you'll like okay, A Double cool. Life. Yeah. yeah, that sounds like a good comp. Yeah. I started reading David Sedaris's new collection. Oh, Calypso. Calypso. Um, just came out yesterday. Yeah. Um, and so I've been listening to it and it is, it's David Sedaris. Um, he, How is he so consistently good? I don't know. And the AV Club review of it, said something I got in the headline, like, David Sedaris is 62 now. Like, does he still have anything to say? Yeah. Turns out he does. Yeah. And so I think this one, more than his previous collections, kind of deals with his sister's suicide a few years ago. Uh Uh-huh. More consistently anyway. Um, That is kind of a through line that I've seen so far. Um, Where he's kind of reckoning with, what does it mean to be a survivor of that? What does it mean for your family now to be a different kind of unit than it was before? Um, but he's always so funny. Yeah. And even when he's tackling heavy subject material like that, and sometimes, like, never in very brutal language, but sometimes in very um, uh, incisive language that just cut, cuts I was to, to say, your he's soul. He's super matter-of-fact. Yeah. And sometimes I think people have maybe read him and misinterpreted that yeah. a little bit to think he's callous. And I don't think he is. No, I don't think so at all. Um, so if you like David Sedaris, yeah. you know what you're getting this into. This is more David Sedaris. More David Sedaris. I pick up the audiobook from Libro FM if, yeah. if you like hearing him read yeah. like He's, I do. He just, If you're going to do an audiobook, you should do it. You should do Sedaris. David Sedaris. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, good. I'm excited to read that one. Yeah, no, I think it. you'll love it.
bottom of the barrel again Started out strong, but now we're coming up thin Oh, we have cast our lots with all the devils of sin Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God From the Front Porch is a production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. It's produced by me, Annie Jones, and Chris Jensen, and edited by Chris Jensen. If you're interested in purchasing any of the books we've talked about on today's episode, you can do so at www.bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop. Thank you so much to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel from their album Forlorn Strangers. Learn more at forlornstrangers.com. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon and gain exclusive access to bonus content like our secret monthly podcasts, What Annie Didn't Finish, and Unpopular Opinions, both of which should be coming out live with this episode, you can check us out on patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch. You can also check out our website at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com for web-only content, a full back catalog of our show with detailed show notes, and links to further reading. This week in the bookshelf, a very funny thing happened. So it was pouring rain, Mm -hmm. as it does every day here in the summer, uh, at least in the afternoon. Uh, So it was pouring rain, but we had like a store full of people. And two of our favorite kind of regular customers had run into each other. And that's one thing I love about small town is that people run into each other and they kind of connect. And so they were being really loud and they were visiting and talking. And then I walked by and they were super apologetic. And I was like, please never apologize for coming in here. And And having a good time. Yeah. And one of them was like, well, we know this isn't a coffee shop or... I don't know what word she used. And then the other one was like, well, or a train station. And I was like, what a bizarre <laughs> comparison. And I was like, well, I, I'm happy it's, to be your it's, train it's station. Kind of a train station. <laughs> if you'd like. Yeah. You're just passing through. I understand. I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week. <laughs>